0: I've had a burden on my heart for some time uh, for the church, for Christians. I've been uh, disappointed with uh, how people mature in faith in our culture. And so because of that and the burden I've had on my heart uh, that I think the Lord put there, uh, several months ago I uh, wrote a manual. It's called uh, Basic Training, A Firm Foundation for Life in the Body of Christ. Um, I have since been giving these away. I don't sell them. I just give them away to anybody that wants them. And I've had a lot of takers, and uh, I've worked people through this manual. And what I'm doing right now on these YouTube videos is I'm, I'm working through this manual uh, through these YouTube, uh, uh, YouTube uh, teachings. So what I would like to do is continue on. I'm, I'm actually in Lesson 3 in the manual, uh, and I'm going to deal with the second half of Lesson 3. Uh, today and what we talk about. And that is five ways that the Bible functions in our lives. Now, we've talked about developing faith. We've talked about how much we want to have intimacy with God and draw close to God. How do we do that? Uh, and now we're talking about the tools that, that are available to us by God to actually pull that off. And the number one tool is the Bible. And in the last video, we just talked about the Bible as the manual that helps us, equips us to live life the way God designed us to live life. So this week I want to give you five word pictures um, right out of chapter 3, right out of the Word of God, where the Word of God tells us how the Word of God functions in our lives. Okay, so here they are. Number one is this. The Word of God functions as a sword. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17 says the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 and 13 says this, For the Word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So the Bible says one of the ways it functions in our lives is it is a sword. So let me tell you how I think it functions as a sword in our lives. First, it functions in that it does surgery in us. I want you to think about a, a, a small knife. What want you think maybe a scalpel. And sometimes what, what has to happen is, is we have to have some surgery. And it, it says it cuts deep. It'll cut all the way down to the marrow within our bones. In other words, the Word of God cuts us to the core of who we are. But it's not a cutting to kill, it's a cutting to heal. And He cuts us open and He gets out cancers and He gets out the things in our heart that are keeping us from an intimate walk with God. And that's what the Word does is it cuts us and it molds us and it shapes us and it addresses those things we need to address so that we can be the people of God God wants us to be. That's what the sword does. But it's also an offensive weapon against the enemy where we pull it out and we begin to fight against the enemy and we use it outwardly to defeat him. I want you to think about Jesus in Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, Satan comes to him with these temptations. And it's interesting to me that with every temptation, the way Jesus decides to fight the temptation is he pulls out the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, and he quotes scripture to Satan and that pushes Satan away. Satan has to go away because the lies of the enemy that's the main way satan tempts us is through lying but he tries to disguise the lie as a truth and what does the the word of god does the word of god is real truth and so when we reveal real truth it reveals the lie of the enemy and the enemy goes away and so how does the word of god function as a sword well it does its work in our heart purifying our hearts so we can be more like him it also is an offensive weapon we use to keep Satan away from us so we don't fall in temptation and fall into sin. So that's the way the Word of God functions as a sword. Second, the Word of God functions as food. Now, I mentioned Matthew chapter 4 when Jesus came to talk to Jesus and to tempt Him. You know, the first thing He says to Jesus is, you know, you're out here in the desert, you've been fasting for 40 days. Why don't you pick up one of those stones, you just turn it into bread and have something to eat. You're Jesus, I mean, you're the Son of God, you have the power to do it. Why don't you do that? Satan is tempting Jesus. Now notice how Jesus responds. He says, it is written, he quotes scripture, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. See what Jesus does? There's the temptation, and he fights the temptation off with scripture with Scripture. And what does he say in that temptation? In that reply to that temptation? He says, we live, we feed, off the Word of God. The Word of God is food for our soul. So I want you to think about this Scripture, Hebrews chapter 5, 13 and 14. The Hebrew writer says, anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish between good and evil. Now there's so much packed into these two little verses, but, so let me just try to paint a picture for you. What he's saying in the big picture is he says the way the Word of God functions in our lives is it's food. We eat physical food to nourish us. The Word of God gives us spiritual food to nourish our souls. And so that's the purpose of the the Word of God. I don't know if you've ever uh, tried to fast, but fasting is one of those disciplines that Christians have available to them. And part of what fasting does is we deny our flesh its food so that we can feast on the food that grows our soul. And so what Jesus uh, is talking about is He says, look, you have to understand what the Word of God does. It feeds your soul. It makes you spiritually healthy. Now, I want you to think about this. Do you remember every meal you've ever eaten? I don't remember every meal I've ever eaten. Sometimes I'll eat a special meal and it'll stick with me for a while, but I couldn't tell you what I ate two weeks ago for breakfast, I don't know. But I'll tell you this, every single meal, how significant or insignificant, has fed my body so that my body is what my body is today. That's the function of the food. And can you imagine how anorexic I would be if I ate one time a week? If every Sunday morning I sat down and had breakfast and I didn't eat again until the next Sunday morning, I would not be very healthy. He says, well, the Word of God is that food for our soul. And we need it more than once a week on a Sunday morning with a preacher. We need to be feasting on the Word of God every day. We need to be eating every day because every time we open up the Word, it's food to nourish our souls, to help us feed our souls so we can be more like Christ. That's the function of the Word of God. And and I, and I want you to hear this. And, and, and I know those of you who don't know me don't know my heart, so I, I don't want to come across um, wrong here. But just like we don't remember... Every single meal we've ever eaten, we also don't remember every single quiet time we've had with God. And I think we have unrealistic expectations of God when we come to quiet time sometimes. Sometimes I think we, we sit down and we want uh, something to, to jump off the page and us have this really powerful encounter with the Holy Spirit where we learn something that we had never learned before and we are in awe. And you know what, those happen every great once in a while where you just have this aha moment with the Lord and He just shows you something unbelievably powerful. But could I be honest with you? Most days in my quiet time, it's kind of mundane and boring. I just read the Word, I pray through the Word, I try to apply it to my life, and then then I go to the next day and I do it again. And every once in a while I have a great moment. But for the most part, it's just a mundane feeding off the Word. But you know what those mundane feedings off the Word do? They nourish my soul to keep me strong, to be the man of God I am today. And that's what the Word does. So don't don't put too much pressure on some sort of supernatural experience every time you sit down for a quiet time. Just have a quiet time. Just pray and read the Word and see if God over time doesn't nourish your soul with that. And then every once in a while, you'll get one of those great experiences and relish those because they are fantastic times with the Lord. But don't put that expectation on every time you sit down on the Word. Sometimes you just eat oatmeal. Sometimes you do. And you know what? It nourishes your soul. And so understand that about food. Now, let's talk about this Hebrews real quick. Solid food is for the mature. Listen to how he defines maturity here. Who by constant use of what? The Word of God have trained themselves, this is spiritual maturity, to distinguish good from evil. This is so important to understand. When we first become Christians, we don't know the Word of God, and so we don't know good and evil. We think we do, there's some basics, but we really don't know good and evil. And Satan, who is the deceiver, he always takes evil, sin, temptation, and he wraps it in something that appears to be truth. So it makes sense to us, It makes sense to my common mind. But if I don't know the real truth of God very well, I can easily be seduced into sinning because Satan has done such a good job of wrapping a lie to look like truth. So he says what happens in maturity is I spend enough time in the Word of God by constant use, enough time in the Word of God that I begin to see pure truth so that when I see the half-truths, half-lies of the enemy, I can recognize them. When I'm immature, I can't recognize them, and I keep tripping up and falling into sin. When I'm mature, I'm able to recognize them, and I don't fall into sin as much. That's what happens in the Word of God. That's why I have to be in the Word of God every day. That's why you can't be spiritually mature and and lean on a sermon once a week. You'll never get enough of the Word to be able to distinguish good from evil so that you can recognize temptation for what it is and say no. You'll never have it if you're only getting that once a week. You gotta be in the Word every single day. Because you know what? When the temptation comes from the enemy, you can't stop and say, okay Satan, I don't know if that's a truth or lie, so I'm gonna text my pastor and find out what he says. You can't do that. You gotta know the Word of God well enough to know, oh, that's a lie. I know it looks like truth, but I see the insidious satanic lie behind that. And I'm telling you right now, we're in a culture that's being seduced by sadistic, satanic lies because our culture, including the church, doesn't know the Word of God well enough to be able to determine truth from lies. The Hebrew writer says, you want to be spiritually mature? You want to have an intimate walk with God? You want to have a deep faith? Then you've got to be in the Word enough that you can distinguish good from evil. I love the phrase, by constant use we come spiritually mature. So what is the word? It's food, it's food, it feeds our soul. It's a sword we use to fight the enemy. It's food that feeds our soul. Number three, it is, it is fire and a hammer. Jeremiah 23, 29. Jeremiah uh, was the last prophet of Israel before it went into Babylonian captivity. Um, Israel was just in absolute rebellion against God and Jeremiah never had any good news because all he could say is God's about to come judge you because you're walking in rebellion before the Lord. Well, in the middle of the book of Jeremiah, he says this about the word of God. He says, "Is my word is not my word like fire," declares the Lord, "and a hammer that breaks a rock into pieces." So he says the word of God is like a fire and a hammer. Now, think about it. Fire in scripture represents one of two things: judgment or Um, burning away impurities so that something can be refined. So there's a refining fire that refines something to make it more precious, or judgment. A hammer can be used to break rocks into pieces, it can be used to destroy it, or it can be used to mold something into the image of what the Maker wants it to be. So in that culture, whether you had uh, iron, whether you had silver, whether you had gold, um, and let's just use silver as an example. The silversmith used fire and a hammer to make objects out of silver, okay? So first thing the, 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 the uh, silversmith does is he heats up the silver because the fire of the heat burns away the impurities, softens the silver up to make it pliable so that he can then work with it And then once it's heated up, he gets a hammer and he begins to hammer around that piece of silver to turn it into what he wants it to be. And that's how it worked in those days. It still works the same way today. We just don't have the silversmiths. We have more technology than that. But it's still about heat and molding. And so it's a fire and a hammer. The fire softens our hearts. The hammer molds us into what god wants us to be so think about this with the word okay god uses the word in sometimes situations in our life as a fire we can call it adversity you can call it suffering you can call it uh tough times in your life whatever you want to call it but 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 god uses the word and he uses circumstances in life to get that fire to burn away impurities you'll learn the most you're transformed the most in in bad times, not in good times, right? So when those tough times come around, he's burning away impurities. He's lighting that fire underneath you. He's trying to soften your heart to make you moldable. And then what does he do? He takes the hammer of the word and he begins then to mold you into what he wants you to be. And that's the function of life circumstances and the word of God and how they work together. Life circumstances, man, something throws us for the loop. And so what do we do? We go to the Word, and then the Word begins to mold our response and to shape our character and to show us how we're supposed to live in the middle of that circumstance. And sometimes the circumstances are really negative, and sometimes they're not. But God's using the fire to soften us and the hammer of the Word to mold us so that we can be thoroughly equipped to live life the way God designed us to live life. That's how the Bible functions in our lives. and so here's what happens. We're in what I call a pain-averse culture. We're in a post-Christian culture. And culture has now said all pain is evil. So therefore, avoid pain at every cost. And so parents don't want their kids to suffer any pain. And parents don't want to suffer any pain. People don't want to suffer any pain. So when pain comes, you know what we do in our culture? We run from it or we medicate. And where has that gotten us? Well, Look at the depression levels, look at the suicide levels, and you'll see where that's gotten us at a culture. It's an absolute disaster, is where it's gotten us. But you know what God says? When pain comes in your life, it's got a purpose. It has a purpose, it's gonna form your character. And so what I want you to do is not run from it, God says, I want you to lean into it. Don't go searching for it, it'll find you, but lean into it and trust me and go to the Word And then the Word will hammer you and refine you and equip you and train you so that you can walk through that pain the way I've designed you to. And on the other side is, you know what? A better person, better character, more like Jesus, a mature believer. He says, that's what I want you to do. If you take any one thing away from this video, stop running from pain. Stop running from adversity. Handle it like a man or woman of God, step into it, and then let God use His Word and His presence to mold you in the middle of that. So, so important. Number four, number four is a mirror, is a mirror. James, the book of James, talks about it's not enough to just learn the Word of God. You have to practice the Word of God. You have to be a doer of the Word. You're not only learning, but you're training in the Word. And here's what he says in James 1, through 25. He said, don't just merely listen to the Word and deceive yourselves. In other words, don't just let it be head knowledge. Do what it says. Do what it says. Learn to train in it. Anyone who listens to the Word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, acting on it, they will be blessed in what they do. Now, we saw this last week, right, that there's a blessing in following Scripture. Now, this whole interesting uh, metaphor of the mirror, he says, look, here's what the Word of God does. It reflects back to you the truth about who you are. It reflects back the truth. On one side, there's two sides to that. On one side, the sin that you commit, the changes you need to make, the flaws that you have. you ever looked at the mirror in the morning and you go, oh boy, look at that. Wow, look at those wrinkles, look at those zits, look at at my complexion, whatever it is. You're just like, wow, that's not good. Sometimes the mirror reflects the things you need to change. He says, don't run from that. Don't be like a guy that looks in the mirror and says, I look terrible and then just goes out in public and doesn't care if he gets what he looks like. No, go to the mirror, let the mirror tell you what you really look like and then do what? Humble yourself before the Lord and let the Lord change you. See who you are, the truth about who you are and then let the Word of God change you. That's what the Word of God does. It, It reflects to you, shows you who you really are. But there's the other side of that, the positive side, where you look in the mirror and you see who you are But what does the Bible also tell us? We're saved, we're redeemed, we're children of the King. And so I see myself in practicality for who I am and my sin, but I also see myself positionally for who I am, I'm a saved child of God. Because what Satan wants me to do is to believe that first mirror, that that I am a, a bad, bad person, but there's nothing I can do about it. But God comes and says, look at my grace. Because the Bible also mirrors back to you the grace and the mercy and the compassion of God Almighty who saved you and redeemed you and has made you a child of the kingdom. So the mirror does it on both sides. We need to pay attention to both of those. On one, when I see things I don't like, I need to take those to the Word and let God change those. But I need to remember my identity in Christ so Satan can't steal my joy. And and change my identity. I keep my identity in Christ. And that mirror reminds me I'm saved by the grace of God. And that's what the Word does. It's a mirror to show us the truth about life. Let me tell you why that's important. Because life doesn't show us the truth about life. We self-deceive. We self-medicate. We lie to ourselves. We deceive ourselves. We live in denial. The Word of God makes it real. Tells us the truth about life. That leads us to the fifth one. The Word of God is like a seed. It's like a seed. I don't know, two or three weeks ago in a video, we talked about a parable of the seeds out of Luke chapter eight. And in that parable it said the seed is the Word of God. And then the Word of God implants itself in your heart and then if you had a hard heart, you, you refuse it. You know, if you have a good heart, the soil of your heart, then you, you grow uh, a harvest. And this is, a, this is a very popular uh, word picture Jesus gives about the kingdom of God, about the word of God, about spiritual growth, is the whole idea of seeds and plants and harvest. So think about it, let's just say a seed to, um, to a tree that's going to, to have fruit on it, okay, a peach tree. Well, you put the seed in, And then what do you have to do? You have to feed it and you water it and you fertilize it and you till that soil and you make the soil soft and you make sure that it's got all the nutrients and all the water. And then what does that seed do? It it grows into a tree and it blossoms into this beautiful tree then then gives you the most delicious, fresh peaches you have ever put in your mouth. And he says that's what life is like when you live it by the Word of God is it's a seed that plants itself in your heart. And if you will do the hard work of being in the Word, of being in prayer, of transforming your life through all the things we've talked about the last few weeks, if you'll do the hard work, that seed will grow up into a beautiful human being that has great fruit of righteousness, that has great relationships, that has peace and joy and contentment, that lives the great abundant life in Christ. And that's what the Word is. It's a seed that plants itself. It tells you how to grow your life up to be everything God's designed you to be, to be the tree that He created you to be. Here's what Peter says in 1 Peter 1 verse 22. He says, Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you can have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply for the heart, from the heart. For you have been born again, not of a perishable seed, but an imperishable seed through the living, enduring Word of God. And then he says this, for all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field, and the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the Word of the Lord endures forever. So he says, look, everything about us is perishable except for one thing, our spirit. Our spirit lives forever. And the Word of God is an imperishable seed, something that will last forever in us, that if we'll put it in our hearts and we will cultivate the soil of our heart, keep it soft, keep it humble before the Lord. He said, I'm going to grow you up into a beautiful tree that's going to have beautiful fruit and a beautiful life. And by the way, it won't just endure till you die. That legacy, that life will endure forever. And that's what the Word of God does. Those are five really, really powerful word pictures that the Bible gives us about how the Bible functions in our lives. For what purpose? goes right back to what we talked about last week, to thoroughly equip us to be the human beings that God has created us to be. Don't you want the better life? Don't you want the best possible life you can have? Please don't deceive yourself into thinking you're going to find that best life here on this earth with the world's values. You're going to find it in the kingdom of God. You're going to find it in the Word of God. God has given you 1,200 pages of advice and wisdom and counsel that the Holy Spirit brings alive to you, brings alive to you so that you can live your best life. Now, and forever. That's the value of the Word of God. Now, next video, I'm just going to begin to teach you how to read the Bible, how to get the most out of the Bible, so you can get the most out of your life. Let's pray. Father, thank You for our time together uh, today on this video. Lord, I just pray for every uh, watcher, every listener, Lord, that they would have a hunger for the Word of God, that they would have a hunger for you, that they would, that they would see the benefit of the Word and they would be in it every single day. In Jesus' name, amen. I wanna thank you for subscribing to my YouTube channel. I wanna thank you for watching these videos. I would invite you to go over to the website, uh, embarkmen.com, peruse the website, Uh, And if you would like to donate to help this ministry move forward, uh, there's a donate button there on the website. We would appreciate your contribution. Thank you.